This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Twenty-nine other MLB clubs. Two-two pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back, gone for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Pete Alonso, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe, from spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Oh, we got a big show for you today right here on A's Cast Live as we are back on the field once again. Just the second time in 2021 we have been back on the field, our home here next to the third base dugout. A's Cast Live, we got a jam-packed show for you. We've got the third base coach, former athletic, Mark Kotze is going to be here at 415. Max Muncy, our old friend from the Dodgers, is going to be. What, why is Max Muncy going to come on A's Cast Live? It would help if I turn on the right microphone. It would, uh, big series against the Giants, but why do we care? Well, not that Max Muncy. Wait, Same birthday. I've never heard of another Max Muncy. Until now. I did not know there. Who is this Max Muncy? Uh, A's 2021 first round draft pick from Thousand Oaks High School, coached by the greatest. Defensive Pirates first baseman, or shortstop that I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, Jack, Jack Wilson, Wilson would be a shortstop. Yeah, the greatest defensive shortstop I've ever seen in Pirates history. Well, I, I mean, I'm looking at the notes here. This Max Muncy, 459 batting average, 11 dingers, 49 RBIs. Now, I got to tell you, this was on a Sunday. So this was my very first official day of vacation on the beach. So I really wasn't paying attention to the draft. And it was late at night, and I think, God, like, who the A's end up getting? And when I saw Max Muncy, I was like, are you kidding? What? You can't get Max Muncy through the draft. You can't do that. And then I realized, oh, it's a high school kid named Max Muncy. Thousand Oaks went 29-1, and and they were the Southern Section Division II champion. He was named the Los Angeles Times and Los Angeles Daily News Baseball Player of the Year and was CIF Southern Section Division II Player of the Year. Yes, I true I too did play CIF and was a Division II player back in the day in San Diego. And as you said, he's got the same birthday as Ma- as our old Max Muncy. No Dodger star, All Star Max Muncy. You might have heard of him, the guy that. Could not hit a lick here in Oakland. And then he told Madison Bumgarner to go get the ball out of the uh, out of yeah, the ocean. Where was that guy when he put on the green and gold? Now, what's what's really interesting, folks, and since we're on the field, and it, what what position does he play? Uh, shortstop. Uh, Shocker. Another, <laughs> yeah, another shortstop, huh? Uh, to watch the kid take BP. 
So obviously being in high school, they still hit with metal bats, but these guys, uh, their whole lives now playing travel ball and being in all these showcases, they're, they've played with a lot of wood bats. But how do they react the first time they step in and take BP with the big leaguers in a big league stadium? Some guys, Kyler Murray stepped up. If, I, if I'm correct, didn't Kyler go deep with his first swing? That sounds all right. I mean, the, the kid's a uh, sensational athlete. And then there's other guys who are so nervous they can't hit a lick. We will be giving you the play-by-play of the A's number one pick as he will be stretching out right now, but he will be getting in there. And, you know, the cool thing about the A's, you know, I, I don't know what it was like back in the day when you had a, a star-studded, like, New York Yankee team when we talk about, you know, when you got Jeter and you got A-Rod and you got Robbie Cano and you got Teixeira. You know, when you're stepping up into a lineup like that as a number one pick and taking BP with those guys, you know, who knows how they react to you. One thing that I've noticed all these years and all the draft picks is, once again, we'll be the first entity streaming or terrestrial to interview the number one pick. It's been happening forever. We've always been these guys' number one, inter- their first interview. You know, the writers will get them first, but they don't count. Their stuff doesn't come out till later. Stuff we do here, it is live or taped to live, as we like to say in the business. But you hear them with us before you hear them with anybody else. And they always talk about how these A's guys always treat these guys with a lot of respect. And, of course, Scott Boris, friend of the program, is here, the greatest agent of all time, talking to Matt Chapman, one of his top players. I don't know if we're we going to get – are you going to go over and grab Boris again? Uh, again? I mean, I mean, I did get him when we drafted Logan Davidson. Uh Maybe, I didn't realize he was going to be here. I might have to try to grab him again. So Max Muncy is being brought over by general manager David Force to be introduced to Mark Kotze, who you're going to hear in moments here. You know, Mark Kotze from Southern California, Cal State Fullerton great. I'll mention it in the interview. I still think to this day he's the greatest college baseball player of all time. He had a terrific career in the big leagues, and one of the reasons why – uh, we haven't even brought it up yet. I mean, I can't even believe And, by the way, Dave Cavill will also be here at 5 o'clock. I don't know if you've heard there's a uh, vote. That we're, Cavill, we're hoping to have Cavill. I just got a text that he's getting pushed into a meeting with the city. So we're hoping to still get him uh, sometime before the show ends. You're trying to tell me that the city of Oakland and Dave Cavill sitting down is more important than coming on Ace Cast Live? Apparently. How dare you? Yeah. You better make. You better get him here. Well, I, I mean, I mean, should I go? I mean, now, now I guess I got to go grab Scott Boris. <laughs> yeah, because there's a chance. I mean, uh, there might be some negotiations going on that way. And you know what, folks? I've talked to so many people. I'm gonna be real, real with you right now. As what Jim Harbaugh once say? It's gonna get real, real, real fast. Did I get that right? Yes. Did he say that the Niners, or did he say it with Michigan? Because it hasn't gotten real, real, real fast in Michigan. It was with the Niners. It's going to get real, real, real fast. I'm still waiting for that to happen at Michigan. This thing's really complicated. When you really delve into this project, how big this project is. And I know for a lot of people, you don't care. You just want to get a ballpark done. And I'm with you. 
You know, I don't, I, I don't care about condos. I don't care about a lot of different other things. I just want a ballpark for, for, for our ball club. However you get it done, get it done. But when you go into the magnitude of this building project, it is so complicated and it's hard to explain because so much, you know, it's not like, it's not like, well, I think a lot of the projects, especially when you start heading into downtowns and downtowns don't have the, you know, they don't have the luxury of being out like in the suburbs the way the Atlanta Braves were able to build. When you head to downtowns like San Francisco, like they did in San Diego, like they did uh, in Seattle, you know, moving into Little Havana and in Miami, you name it, whenever you build in, in some type of downtown, especially on the water, it's going to be complicated. And when you want to build a lot of different stuff around it other than a ballpark. So there's so many things that have to be negotiated and and as a and he probably is listening now a friend of mine he talked about a great negotiator a guy that's was in politics for every for for many many years said to him you know when the deal gets done is when everybody's not happy that's when the deal gets done <laughs> everybody's not happy but in the end you get it done and you make it happen because it's what's best for the city, for the county. I mean, we can sit here and talk about this vote. That is tomorrow, however it's going to go. There's still going to be a vote later on by the county. I mean, there's a long way to go in this process, but the buildup is what it is. They're going to start talking about tomorrow at 9 a.m. What we're going to we're going to have A's pregame live. Oh, no, that's that's the television. Ace, whoa, whoa, whoa. Ace, A's total access. A's total access. 11.37 tomorrow, 12.37 first pitch, so, right here on A's cast. I mean, we might have news going into our pregame show tomorrow, A's total access. That would be great. But we need to know, right? We, 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 we've had a lot of time to make this thing happen. You know, there was the pursuit of Fremont. There was the pursuit of San Jose. And whether you want to believe it or not that Major League Baseball, there were the owners that would have voted for San Jose, but Bud Selig did not want the heartache of dealing with the San Francisco Giants as they were threatening a lot of different things. So here we are. We've had a lot of time to get this done, year after year after year. And Major League Baseball has finally said enough is enough. Now, I know there's people out there who believe that this was just Major League Baseball stepping in to help the threat, you know, a threat of leaving, whether it is Las Vegas, Portland, Nashville, Charlotte, Montreal, whatever. But the reality is, no. Major League Baseball, their collective bargaining agreement with the Players Union is up in December. Baseball wants to expand. They want to expand to 32 teams. These other owners want the the two teams. There's a large expansion fee for both these teams. And when they go into these negotiations with the players union, they want, I think they've understood that Tampa will not be set, but you could have Oakland be set. At least have an idea of of where they're going to be. Is it going to be here or wherever it's going to be? But baseball wants this decision, and they want it now. 
So I think for a lot of us as A's fans, we want the same thing. We want to know. What are we doing here? Are we getting it done here? And we're all going to hope for that, but we want to know. We've got to have some answers. And I've talked about this for a long, long time because, I mean, think of how many different city council members we've dealt with over the years. Think of how many JPA members we've dealt with over the years. Think about all the rumors. Think about all the grand ideas. Think about the horrible renderings that were passed around. Oh, we're going to have an arena here for the Warriors. And then the football stadium with the Raiders is going to be here. And then the A stadium is going to be. None of that has ever happened. None of that has ever come close. This is the closest we have ever seen a team actually build a brand new facility in Oakland since this facility was built in 1966. No, I do not count Mount Davis. No, I don't count redoing the arena. I'm talking about a brand new state-of-the-art facility in 2021. Not duct taping things together. And I think the arena was better than that. But Mount Davis was just basically duct tape on an old stadium. It was a bad idea. They should have torn this down and built a new stadium. And they should have had the grant. But, you know, that was a long, that was the 90s. I mean, when the Raiders decided to come back, I was a senior in college. When you talk about what Mount Davis was built in the 90s, I mean, this is a lot. We're in 2021. This was a long time ago. And I know there's been so many people, because I've taken so many phone calls from fans in the Bay Area who are Raider fans and who are Warrior fans and who are A's fans who have always said, why not just build at the Coliseum site? Well, the Warriors did everything they could to get out of here. Joe Lacob, who it's funny... (laughs) Everybody is Joe Lacob could be the savior, and he's the guy that didn't even want to speak to Oakland, didn't even want to deal with Oakland. He couldn't wait to get out of here. Think about think about his first location. His first location is where, what's his name? The Oracle guy. Larry Ellison. Larry Ellison tried to build. One of the richest men in the world couldn't get it done, and they wanted to build there. It didn't work. Did he say, you know what, I'm going back to Oakland, I'm going to build? No, he found another spot where that arena is today. Your game plan with pushing teams back to the Coliseum site is 0 for 2. That plan has not worked for two other franchises. Don't make the mistake. I, you know, I think the city council, because they've come out, you know, this is not tomorrow going to be voting on the A's proposal. This is Oakland's proposal, which that's hopefully what we'll talk to Dave Cavill about. You know, you know what, are, what are the major differences between the two proposals and how close are the two proposals? You know, one thing you always know in business, there's always a deal to be cut. Sometimes it's cut at the very end, at the last minute. But there's always a deal to be cut and to get done, which I think we are all going to be rooting for this. But it's time. The answers, there, you know, there's been tons of questions, and there now has to be some answers. And we're going to get more clarity tomorrow sometime around 9 a.m. as the great Ken Korak, the voice of summer, the voice of your Oakland Athletics 
walks by us here on the field as he's heading to his perch, the Bill King press box, to do the game and hopefully lead the A's. I mean, at some point, King Korak has to take some responsibility for this team not hitting with runners in scoring position. I mean, at some point, he's got to he's got to step up. I I can't see the time. Where are we on time? That's the one thing when you're down here four, in the four, sun. Four fifteen. All right. Earlier today, Mark Kotze stopped by. Obviously, a lot to talk about with Kotze as you know, being a third base coach. Uh, the fact that if there was a guy that could have done what Shohei Otani has been able to do. Now, he was a different player from a standpoint. He was a closer. Not only was he an offensive force at Cal State Fullerton, but then he came in and blew you away in the ninth inning. He came out of center field like Superman running in from, you know, he'd come running in and he'd blow you away. So I want to get into a little bit, you know, does he think looking back now, because back then they weren't going to give you that opportunity. But looking back now, do you think... He could have done that. Can you imagine how much more money he would have made if you were a reliever and a good hitter like he was? Here is my conversation with Mark Kotze. Well, how are you? It's been a while. It has been a while, Tony. It's good to see you on the field, buddy. Yeah, it's great to be back. You know, it's it's weird having been not around you guys for so long and, you know, talking to players, just talking to Sean Manaya. I think for everybody to kind of start seeing each other again is kind of healthy. Yeah, we get reacclimated with each other, right? Um, but, yeah, human inter- uh, human contact, human face-to-face interviews is a lot better than doing over Zoom, I think. No doubt about it. So how's third base been for you? Well, I, as you know, it's, uh, it's engaging. Um, it's playing the game. And, uh, you know, I think overall it's been, it's been a great experience. Um, I'm learning every day. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thankful to have this opportunity and, and be down here on the field with these guys. I don't think people realize how much you need to study because you need to know everybody's arms. You need to know your player's speed and how aggressive they are. Just talk about the amount of work you got to put in to be a third base coach. Yeah, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of preparation. As you talk about, you know, knowing the outfielders uh, as well as knowing our base runners and their speed, what they can do going first to home, uh, what they do second to home, their their turns, their their lines going down, uh, you know, third base. And uh, as you said, you know, we're an aggressive mentality. I think that's the way I played the game. It's kind of the way I coach the game at third base. I do take chances, um, but they're all calculated. And it's not just uh, let's just take a chance here because, you know, we, we're, we're gambling. It's, it's uh you know, a long, long thought process before the pitch occurs. It's, you know, who's on deck, how many outs there are, where we are at in the game, uh, how our offense has been performing. So all those factors are weighed in when I make a decision. It's not just a, uh, a quick draw. Well, then you got to throw in the ballpark factors. Every ballpark's different. All the corners are different. The bounces are different. H- how do you know what to do with each ballpark? Do you go out early and maybe hit balls into the wall, or what do you do? No, you know, I think for the most part I've played in every ballpark, so that gives me a little bit of a, a head start in, in understanding the corners. Uh, being an outfielder also gives me a head start into uh, how aggressive outfielders play, you know, whether an outfielder you know, takes a fly ball and, and is disciplined enough to get behind it when he comes through uh, to get some leverage when, he, when he's you know, trying to throw a runner out who's tagging. Um, so it's instinct, too, and I think you know, my instincts take over and, and I make decisions 
as I said, uh, with the information that I, I have pre-pitch and, and with my instincts as to whether or not you know, we're going to take a chance in a situation to, to be aggressive or, or to, to, to stay at third. So I, I say it all the time on the show, and I'm kind of biased, but I think you're arguably the greatest college baseball player of all time. <laughs> and it's not just because of what you did offensively, which got you to you know be the number one overall pick, but a lot of people don't know what you did as a center fielder as a closer when we played against you you'd go four for five hit a two-run bomb and then you'd come in and you'd close the games out at fullerton you know when i think about the guy out there today shohei otani you had that skill set when you look back now do you think you could have done reliever hitter at the big league level you know i wish i could say yes but no to be honest i think that the demand here at this level um, is one that uh, really puts a toll on your body. You need to be physical, and Shohei's physical. He's big, um, he's got strength, and I think overall he can handle it. And I think part of it, you know, the starting pitching uh, gives him an opportunity to, to rest his arm, to, to maintain his arm as well when he gets to do a bullpen session. So for me in college, when I'd come out of center field and go close a game, I didn't have the luxury of days off. I still had to make outfield throws aggressively. I still had to play catch in between innings and not be able to manage how much I used my arm. And I think they're doing a great job with him in managing that. Yeah, people don't realize you came in one, two, three, blowing people away. <laughs> There's a reason why you were the Golden, Sp uh, Golden Spikes Award winner. And I just think that, uh, I don't know, I would have liked to see if you got an opportunity to do it. If there would have been a way to manage the load. I know center fielder, you're making a lot of throws, deep throws, but it would have been interesting. Yeah, it would have been fun. Believe me, there's not a day that goes by I wish I didn't tow the rubber. Even if, even as a position player coming in in a blowout game, I had one opportunity uh, when I was with San Diego in September. Um, I had hurt my right hand, so I wasn't hitting, but I could play defense because I could throw. And uh, it was late in the game. We were getting blown out, and Boach said, hey, go warm up. And I threw about five pitches, and, I, I mean, the adrenaline was crazy. I was so <laughs> pumped up. And, in the, and then, of course, an inning-inning double play, right, right yeah. before I get my chance of pitching an inning in the big leagues. But um, it would have been fun. And as you say, like, maybe I could have, you know, been a left-handed reliever and, and just been utilized out, out, of the, out of the outfield and – or in-game in situations with the matchup, you know? You know, I, I, I think about when guys start to press and when the team's not hitting with runners in scoring position, everybody knows what's going on, right? What, what can you do to help some of these guys to get them back on track? Because it's not early anymore. I mean, before you know it, we're going to be in August. Yeah, no question. Um, you know, we go through through droughts like this. As, as we, we started out in one, we started out in a funk where we went 0-6 and people weren't hitting the panic button especially us in, in the clubhouse. You know, we, we realize this is a tough stretch. We realize we're grinding. And I think the biggest thing for us to do is just to, to relax if we can, but focus on competing. So competing, just go up there and compete, you know, and, and, and hopefully good things happen. You know, I talk about all the time, uh, whether it's in the talk show or the postgame show, where I say, you know, sometimes guys make contact. You put the ball in play, you never know what can happen. I mean, there was a wild play with the Pirates and, and the Mets yesterday. I mean, just put the ball in play, and good things can happen. Put some pressure on the defense. Oh, that's right. You know, and, and uh, like you said, you know, the game has evolved, and, and there's a lot of value based on home runs and walks uh, that, that have been emphasized uh, in today's game. So, you know, as a hitter, um, when you've got runners in scoring position, as you said, you put the ball in play and good things can happen. And we've seen that this year. We've done that this year. Um, and this is just a stretch where we're going through a tough period of time. And, you know, we need to get back to the basics, as you talk about, and, and utilize the other side of the field and make contact. Let's end on this. 
How important is it for this team to get better in division and rack up more wins in division? Well, everyone knows that. It's just it's common sense that we need to win games in our division. And we start here with the Angels now. We've got you know the, the Mariners as we go up for the weekend. So uh, we got a good week in front of us to 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 make some ground and. Uh, you know, and win some ball games. Well, it's great to see you. It really is, and it's great to be back on the field. And uh, we always appreciate the time. Get well, because I know being sick stinks, <laughs> especially when you're traveling. But thanks for the time, yep. and uh, we'll talk soon. All right, thanks, Tony. Ah, uh, great to have Mark Kotze. But you know, from one legend to another, the great Steve Vucinich, on his farewell tour, is joining us here on A's Cast Live. As we'll talk to Max Muncy. I, I, I couldn't believe we re reacquired Max Muncy. I mean, Vuce, ha how's that possible? Well, I can't believe the Dodgers let him go. He's a great player. <laughs> when you heard Max Muncy, what, what were you thinking? Well, you know, it's funny. I knew he was on our radar before the draft, and I said, you kidding me? And then they said, not only that, he has the same birthday. I know. Is that freaky or what? I mean, that's just its incredible. He's a tall shortstop. What's this day like? For you, where these kids are showing up, you got agents, you got parents, you got brothers, sisters, girlfriends, the whole thing. And this kid, I mean, you're the one that's suiting them up, getting them ready to go. Well, it's so funny is I got the list of sizes, and I said, this can't be. I think the sizes they got me was the last set of sizes, and maybe that was a 14 and under national team or something. <laughs> they were so small. <clears throat> so I had to make an educated guess about what size to get him and then uh, we got him outfitted and uh, he's a nice kid really nice kid uh, spoke to him for a while we talked equipment and uh, went from there so I think he's gonna be a fine addition and he's got a little moxie about himself a little confidence and that's what you like to see you know this is the type of day where you've dreamed about this your entire life you're now gonna step in and you got all the media here you got all the A's personnel. You got the front office. I mean, it even lures Billy Bean out to the field. Uh, what, what do you think this day is like for these guys when they take BP for the first time in, in a big league stadium? You know, I don't know if you saw him. He was out at shortstop, feeling the ball pretty well. You can tell he's got a pretty strong arm. But nothing's like getting in that batting cage the first time. I've seen guys go in there with a lot of confidence and swing and miss at the first pitch and go, oh, my God, what did we get here? But that doesn't mean a thing. So, no, I, I tell you what, they're super excited. Uh, like you said, the family's all out here. They want to see what Big Brother's doing and her son. Um, it's, it's special to see these kind of days, and I've gone through it with a lot of guys over the years. And, and uh, the day we had um, – uh, Murray out here and, and of course the media was about probably four or five times at a time and it was obviously pre-COVID but but uh, that was a real special day and it's so funny because every once in a while you see Kyler on TV in the Bay, in uh, Phoenix where I lived during the winter and he's wearing an ace hat so I got to get a word to uh, his people I said did he wear it out yet does he need another one send me his size because I forgot yeah, I remember when he stepped up, I think his first swing, he went yard, and you're thinking, oh, boy, super athletic. And then uh, next thing you know, he's playing for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, you know, in, in your time, how many guys were first-round picks? They rolled in, and you went, oh, this guy's going to be legit. There have been a few times. I mean, most number one picks do make it, at least for a while. I mean, Addison Russell, I knew he was going to make it, be a good player. Um Nick Swisher came in. He was as confident and cocky as any first-round choice. I mean, he came in loud, talking, and 
he came over and we, it was, we were playing the Bay Bridge series over in, in San Francisco. Uh, this is regular season series. And he took batting practice with us and a bunch of guys walked off the field and said, what is with this guy? And I said, well, you know, he's got, he's got some time. His dad was in the big leagues. He was a big Ohio State player. Uh, he's got a lot of confidence. And, and that, his personality didn't change one bit from then until he got out of the game. And now, nowadays you see him on TV once in a while. And so uh, yeah, he was one that you knew was going to make it. And first-round choice, draft choices are often afforded more um, chances. And we've never had one where we had to wait, 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 wait. Uh, A.J. Puck now will be coming into his own, and he'll be fine. So uh, we haven't had too many fail, and not a lot of them do fail in baseball. How much fun, I've been calling it Vinny and Voose. You and Vince, and of course we air some of it on A's Total Access, our pregame, but then we air the entirety on our great podcast, A's Cast. Just going through, and you're talking about you know, the late 60s into the 70s, into the great years and the championships and now out of the championships and into Billy Martin. And I mean, just going back for you, re, re, you know, rethinking about all this stuff, which probably some of it you haven't thought about in years. Yes, absolutely right. There, every once in a while, somebody will bring up a story. And I said, God, I forgot about that. Yeah. I remember uh, Chuck Dibdahl from the Contra Costa Times. He texted me the other day and said, I'll never forget what you told Dwight Evans when he got on you for being in the A's dugout in the 88 playoffs. I thought to myself, well, what did I say? I couldn't remember. He just, oh, you told him when, when Dewey was getting on you about being over there and you're running a visiting clubhouse at the time and you had to live with the Red Sox for games three, four, maybe five, how are you going to handle it? And I said, Dewey, I always root for the visiting team. <laughs> so and I totally forgot about that until uh, Chuck Dibdahl brought it up to me, so. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of that stuff. I remember, I, mean, I don't know who else has some of these stories, but uh, Catfish Hunter makes an all-star team in 75. I don't know if you heard that part of the podcast. And um, we had about five, six players and a couple of coaches in Milwaukee for the game, and Trevor Finley's on the field before the game wearing a cowboy hat, and Catfish ran up from behind him, tapped him on his shoulder, says, Mr. Finley, I like your hat. And Charlie turned to him and says, I don't like yours. <laughs> he was a Yankee at the yeah, time, right? Exactly. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of the All-Star game, what did you think uh the All-Star game not wearing your home or road uni? I didn't like it. I mean, you know, growing up as a kid, you only got to watch so many games on TV. Here you saw the nine giant Dodger games, and you saw the World Series and All-Star game. And – Without Game of the Week in the area, Horace Stoneham kept the Game of the Week off this area until about 1970 or 69. And one of the things I liked was seeing the other team's uniforms, all the team's uniforms. And I'm still that way, and maybe I'm too conservative or whatever, but uh, I did not like that situation at all. They can do what they want for the batting practice day, the home run derby, whatever, but for the game, let's keep everybody in their regular uniform. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, for you, when you have a player, players, coaches, manager, what do you need to do to make sure they're outfitted correctly at the All-Star game? You know, it's funny to say with a national contract with Fanatics and now Nike, um, they uh, they provide pretty much everything. I used to, my biggest worry was always don't forget a batting helmet. 
And this is the one year we didn't have to send one. But I'll never forget 1969. I'm still a kid working in the clubhouse. And it was the first year for that then equipment manager, Frank Sinchek. And Reggie and Sal went to the All-Star game, and he forgot to send the helmets. And now they have a rain delay or a rain out on Tuesday, so they play Wednesday. And here comes Sal and Reggie wearing Washington Senators helmets. The game was in D.C. And got the call, came to Frank, how can you screw that up? And it was his first year. He just totally forgot. And in those days, you didn't have FedEx and overnight delivery. I mean, otherwise somebody could have called Monday morning and say, get it here. We could have had it there Tuesday, and especially the game being postponed to Wednesday. So that's always my greatest fear because I remember that vividly, Charlie Finley being upset about that. But uh, I just get with a guy. I get him usually a special all-star bag. And uh, he takes equipment. If we're at home or road, I oversee the packing of it. And uh, got to take his own bats and right now his own shoes. And they always get new stuff there too. So it's really not a lot. You just have to let them know, especially if it's a first-timer. So since everybody's under contract, so it's, it's Fanatics is sending the uniform or Nike is sending the uniform there. You don't even have to deal with it. Uh, all I had to do is make sure that uh, Matt Olson had white pants for the home run derby, and same with Eric Martins, our coach, that he had white pants for the derby. And that's really all I had to do other than telling them, don't forget this, don't forget that. You still need your shower shoes, you need your jock straps, things like that. And you got to have your sizes right because you can't yeah. You can't have something not fit at the All-Star game. Exactly right. Fanatics has a contract from Nike, and they've got everybody's sizes from opening day, but as soon as somebody's announced, they'll call, touch base with me. Hey, is he still wearing that, or has he changed to a different size? And then New Era Cap Company calls and say, hey, what size hats? And then they'll give him a range of hats around his size just in case it doesn't fit perfect. And then MLB this year called because of the batting helmet. So um, it, it's, it's really easy for my part. I just make sure everything gets there. So the farewell tour. You know, they had the great picture of what the New York Yankees did for you. Did you ever think you'd get, you're like like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar getting the farewell tour? Probably not as good as Mariano Duncan or Derek Jeter, but uh, I'd like to say close third. But, and no, they gave me that jersey autographed by the team in number 54, and I kind of like that remark that Goose Gossage was one of my favorite players. That's yeah. the number he wore. And then uh, the Red Sox gave me a piece of the, of the wall, number 54, and had the whole team sign it also. Wow. I saw the Yankees. I didn't, uh, I, didn't, I didn't see the Red Sox. That's pretty cool. So you think that's pretty much going to happen the rest of the season? Oh, I don't know. I don't expect anything. I'm, uh, I got a couple boxes of cigars from the guys in Tampa. Um, I don't have to worry about what, where to put that on a wall because I might not make it back to Arizona. It'll be smoked by then. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I don't expect anything anywhere. It's, it's really instigated by my fellow clubhouse managers and stuff. And in Arizona, actually, they did an introduction to me on the field in between in uh, the, about the third inning of the game. So that was nice. They mentioned a uh, local Arizona resident and who I was and how many years, and I was fine. So, you know, it, I, like I said, I don't expect anything. It, it is pretty nice what they're, what, what is in the plans for me, so I'm well, okay with it. I'm so glad you're going out with a year like this and not a year like we had last year, right? Being, being back to some normalcy. I mean, it's not completely normal, but uh, compared to last year, wow. Well, you know what? Last year gave me a lot of time to think about what, how much longer I want to work. Thought about it during the winter, made the, the final decision 
right after uh, the first of the year, met with Billy, talked to Dave Cavill, met with David Forrest, everybody told me what I'd like to do, and they were all for it. They all said I could have worked as long as I wanted to. That makes me feel good because a lot of people in baseball, especially nowadays, don't get to go out on their own terms, pick the time when they can retire, and I was able to do that. Yeah, I probably won't be able to do that. <laughs> it just is what it is. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy about it. I'm not remorseful. I've already got some things planned. Like a Alaskan cruise next July with uh, eight other friends, and we're going to take the train trip up to Denali and maybe a helicopter tour from there. And, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I want to do things that I haven't been able to do because you work all the time during baseball. You know, you said, you said the years ago out, and I would have never retired after a year like you. I had to have at least somewhat of a normal year. I'll never forget, in 1981, big strikes going on, and the equipment manager who had been with the Cardinals for 40 years at a time was going to call it quits. And you're in the clubhouse, and Whitey Herzog says, look, you can't quit this year. you got to wait next year. We'll win a World Series for you. In 82, the Cardinals won a World Series, and the guy was ecstatic that he stayed to go out that way instead of his big strike year. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, you've earned it, and we uh – the day you want to write that book, I guarantee you we will promote the heck out of it and because uh, I think it'll be, you know, you're such a part of A's history because you've lived. And, you know, at some point we're going to have, you know, some of these great players that won the championships that are no longer with us. We have guys from the 89 team that are no longer with us. You know, there, there, there's only so many people that can tell the complete story of Oakland A's baseball other than you, I don't know who can really tell the complete story, who lived it all and saw it all. And probably forgot more than I remember, but, you know, a little little remembrances here and there, and, and it sparks my memory, and I'm trying to uh, keep that in check, uh, talking to a recorder on some things that just shouldn't be forgotten. No doubt about it. All right, buddy, be well, and uh, it's great to be back on the field. It's great to see you, and let's do this again soon. And once again, thank you what you and Vince are doing it, it's it's people it's been well received they've loved it on A's cast it's a lot of fun Vince just like throw something out at me and I just ramble and I'll never forget Tony Russo used to have a show like that they asked him one question and he just rambled on and I took that for the took I took after Tony for that just make it all to the point and go with it so it's 1981 go <laughs> you got it <laughs> all right thanks Moose take care buddy thanks Tony we got more coming up next right here on A's cast live A's fans, join us for the biggest music festival in the fall. It's the inaugural Battle Axe and Tracks Music Festival, held October 2nd and 3rd in Carson City, Nevada. Grammy Award nominees Kenny Wayne Shepard, Larkin Poe, Samantha Fish, and North Mississippi All-Stars are just four of the 15 acts. Festival activities also include axe throwing and Freedom Rail Bike Tours. Tickets on sale now with VIP two-day and single-day tickets available. Check out the full schedule at BattleAxeandTracks.com. That's BattleAxeandTracks.com. A's Cast Live continues from Ricky Henderson Field. Here's Chris Townsend. Oh, always good to catch up with Boos and Max Muncie in front of us right now. The 25th overall pick of the first round by your Oakland Athletics is putting on his first time in A's jersey, and it's got the number one. And he's going to be taking the pictures, and what a special time. And this young man's career, he's got his parents, I believe. Those are probably his family around him, sisters, and just, you know, everybody is a part of the process. 
Uh, you talk about we just had the two Bay Area kids that were in with the Cleveland Indians, and there's so many people that are a part of it. You know, when you think about mom, you think about dad, you think about the family, and, you know, even like the sisters. You know, it's one of those deals where they're having to go to all these games, not saying they don't want to go to all these games. You know, I'm sure there's some times where they they were dragged around into games. I, You know, I know I was dragged around to some of my brother's games that I didn't want to be at, and uh, my brother was not going to be a first-round draft pick. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a family thing. And to get to this level where, you know, they're looking at you as a top pick, and it'll be interesting to see what he says about going through, you know, the process of being, you know, something that we've never seen where high school was cut short because of COVID. And let's not forget that. This is a group that will, let's hope, we never see anything like this again in our lifetimes because California baseball obviously was far different than what happened around the country. And, you know, they opened up a little bit earlier around the country, but not in California. So I'll be very interested to see as the tractor is coming through, but yet we have them taking pictures. A little bit of an odd moment here, but that's what we're able to bring you here on Ace Cast Live. We, we can be your eyes and your ears and your sights uh, of what is happening. As Scott, Scott Boris looks on, talking to Dallas Braden, you know, you had Billy Bean come down, which you don't have often. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was great to see him. Oh, he's still around. He's still lurking. Is he still lurking? Yeah, he's still over there. He's lurking. We may have to go get him for 5 o'clock because I'm not sure we're going to have Dave Cavill, and that's fine. I mean, Dave has been called into uh, some type of meeting with the city, and I like hearing that. I like hearing communication. I like knowing that, you know, you got to vote tomorrow, and how's this vote going to go? And I would love to know, is, is Dave scheduled to speak tonight? on either television or the radio broadcast or here on A's cast where you also hear the games? Not that I know of. I know Max Muncy's supposed to join, the, join Ken and Vince in the fourth inning. That's all I know of as of right now. I don't know anything about uh, what's going on with Dave Cavill's schedule besides the vote being tomorrow morning. So you'll have a – I don't know when, that, when that's going to be finished, but you'll, you'll probably have some news before the, broad, the game is over tomorrow. Uh, I think we're going to have a pretty good idea – if they're, if they're going to kick that thing off at, well, they're going to start talking about it at 9 a.m., and I'm going on at, what, 11.37? That's correct. I got it. I think we're going to have – are we the public able to view this? Uh, that's a great question. You know, you know who would have the answer to that question? Casey Pratt would have the answer to that question. I can text him and find out. All right, so Max Muncy is going to do the – He's going to talk to the entire media as they're going to get him on camera. You got all the beat writers stepping up, and then the great Mark Ling. I could tell he was already pointing over to us so that uh, we will get the draft pick as soon as this is done. You know, we've spent a lot of time and haven't talked about Shohei Otani. I was going to say he's pitching today. Yeah, right. Is he playing today? Yeah, is he here? Yeah, well, I, I have not. Well, we have not seen. Did him. Shohei Otani make it on Bart? Did he figure it out? Was he able to get on the bus and make the game this time? Have we seen him? Have you seen him? As we're talking to the grounds crew, has you seen him on the field? We have not seen. There is no sign yet of Shohei Otani, so we don't know if he uh, made the bus, had to go on BART, did he take a cab? 
does Shohei Otani have Uber or Lyft? Uh, well, I mean, if you're coming from San Francisco, good luck. You just cross the Bay Bridge on Uber or or Lyft or whatever whatever ride share you want to use. Let me let me check one of the uh, one of the one of the Angels beat writers. Um, I think I saw Jeff Fletcher roaming around the press box earlier. Let's see if he's said anything. Uh, okay, great. Justin Upton's doing a rehab assignment tonight. That's great. Mike Trout apparently on this trip, not playing obviously, but Mike Trout is here. Mike Trout's still on that team? Yeah. I think it's time to trade him. You got Shohei Otani. You don't even need him anymore. By the way, their number, I guess technically he's their number two prospect because their number one prospect is still Joe Adele. Brandon Marsh made his debut yesterday. He was 0 for 4, but he's here. Uh, How about Joe? Would you buy stock in Joe Adele right now? I don't know. I haven't looked at his numbers. What he's doing. I don't even care what his numbers are. I haven't seen what he's doing in AAA. I don't care what anybody's AAA numbers are. I don't think you're that bad, and I don't think you're that good. Whatever's happening in AAA. Yeah, well, AAA numbers are very skewed. Uh, just ask uh, every guy that's pitching for the Las Vegas Aviators. Oh, my God. I, I mean, and that's the thing. What, what, what's Jesus Lazardo's ERA now? It's over 8? Eight? 8.50. Oh, God. Uh, by the way, guess who? Uh, I, I believe he started the game over the weekend. Guess who made his uh, first start for the Aviators? Old friend Homer Bailey. Homer, the, the man that has not one, but two no-hitters? And, like, less than a year's span. The guy that looks like Christian Bale, the perfect doppelganger for Batman. Christian Bell, that would be Homer Bailey. Let let me tell you something, and I'm not going to mention the name, but and it shouldn't be that big of a controversy. It was something that was said. It was wrong um, about whether Shohei Otani, if it's good or bad for the game, that he speaks English. He is so good for the – if you watched highlights of their game yesterday – he got down the first baseline at like 4.3 seconds. You're talking about a dude who's 6'5", who got down the line, and I think it was 4.3 or whatever it was. It's fast. It's lightning fast. This is one of the most incredible talents you have ever seen in the history of baseball. And he is such a great athlete. Who knows what he could have been if he played something else right could it be a a a one or a two guard in the NBA in not I'm gonna say the NBA but in basketball right how could he you know how could he be a tight end in football with those broad shoulders I mean he is just an unreal talent of speed size power and that's just talking about him offensively and then you look at him from a pitching standpoint of being able to have all these different pitches, throw 100 miles an hour. It's a skill set we have never seen. And it just shows you when you watch Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Fernando Tatis Jr., what a true world game we have and the stars from around the world. And I think that's what makes – our game so special is, once again, the great Vince Catronio rolls by getting ready for the broadcast tonight here on A's Cast. You know, there are people who tried that narrative, and I've shot it down for years, where they have tried to say, because so many kids from the inner city want to go play football, that it's bad for baseball. That baseball has lost athletes. And my whole thing against that now, for years I've been saying this, well, unfortunately it's those kids' loss. I understand because you know what a big college football fan I am. 
I understand the lure of college football, the lure of playing in the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12, the Pac-12, to play on television every Saturday in front of 100,000 people. I can't remember who the player was. This is real early in my career. And I was covering the Niners at the time. And the Niners picked this kid out of the SEC. And it's like, hey, you know, we, you know, being idiots like we are, oh, hey, what do you think it's going to be like to play at Candlestick Park? And I can't remember what school he goes, I play in front of 100,000 every Saturday. Candlestick Park, that's like 65,000. <laughs> I mean, so it's like, I understand the allure. And obviously, you don't have the struggles that you have going through the minor leagues the way you do uh, in college football. But the thing is, these great athletes that everybody talked about, uh, how baseball lost, guys from all over the world are coming to play now. And these players like Fernando Tatis Jr., you're seeing these just incredible, incredible athletes that are coming from, and Shohei Otani's one of them. You can't tell me when you watch Major League Baseball that you don't see a tremendous amount of athleticism on a nightly basis. Players coming from all over the world. And it's really, really refreshing. And I think this All-Star game probably highlighted that more than any All-Star game we've ever seen. Oh, it was great. We saw Vladimir Guerrero Jr. win the All-Star game MVP. Uh, a slimmer. Uh, yeah, I mean, he has 31 home runs. He could win the Triple Crown this year. Uh, it's going to be tough because Otani has 34 home runs, but uh, he's on a roll. Both those guys are. And with, the, what, with what Otani's doing, he's batting second tonight, by the way, pitching and hitting second, not pitching and hitting <laughs> leadoff like he did in the All-Star game, but uh, we've seen him hit leadoff many times already this year while he pitched. So it's a tremendous story. And, uh, yes, I know you mentioned the, uh, un the unnamed ESPN broadcaster, Stephen A. Smith. I'll throw his name <laughs> okay, out Okay, yeah. you want to throw yeah. it out there. I mean, it, was a, it was a big story. We have Max with us now here on A's Cast Live. And I got to tell you, Max, one of the uh, honors I've had in my career for many, many years is I'm always the first radio slash streaming interview. And I've interviewed so many first-round picks. And I know what this day means for you, for your family. Uh, just tell us what this experience has been like. Yeah, it's definitely been surreal. Uh, coming out here, I think that there's a moment when you get drafted and you kind of figure it's real, but... It doesn't really sink in until you you know you're on the field and you're in the A's jersey. Yeah, and you're out here. Next thing you know, everybody's looking at you, right? And you know when you're taking ground balls or or, or you're in the cage, you know everybody's eyes are on you, right? That's kind of how it's been a little bit this year. It feels like they're on you. Um, you know, they're not on you as much as you think they are. I think you kind of <laughs> when you're out there, you think everyone's looking at you. But uh, I kind of learned, you know, just kind of play your game and do your thing, and it's kind of work itself out. How much fun was it getting in that cage in a big league stadium and taking BP? I think that was great. I think the best part was, you know, talking to those guys, so knowledgeable and so many things that they they uh, told me, you know, just to help me starting out, small things, little pieces of advice. Yeah, and I saw you go over to Mark Kotze. Both you guys are from Southern California. Uh, he was a great player at Cal State Fullerton. And that's kind of been one thing that's always been great about the first-round draft picks in the A's is all these guys are here to help you and give you knowledge because you're going to be in camp with these guys uh, relatively soon. Just tell us what it was like, what some of the guys kind of passed along to you. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that just say, you know, obviously they've been through it. Um, that's how they got here, and they just tell me, you know, enjoy it. I told the, the guys in there, it's kind of like growing up a little bit. You want to be an adult, you want to be an adult. I mean, you want to get to the big leagues, but they just told me, you know, 
your time down there, you know, enjoy it um, and just live it up. And who was all with you down here when you were taking pictures? That's my family. got both my parents and all three sisters here with me. Yeah, and I, and I tried to say it, and a lot of people may not understand. Are you the? You got to be the oldest, right? I got. I'm the second oldest, so okay. I got an older sister and two younger. So your parents dragged them all around all these games, and you know, probably some of the games they wanted to be at. Probably some of the games are like we got to go watch it again. So it's just not the parents; it's your sisters too. It's been a team effort. Talk about that to get you to this point. Yeah, I think they've been so supportive. Obviously, there's times where you know, dad's gonna be mad with your performance, and. Mom's going to be fed up, but uh, I think the sisters have been super supportive, you know, nothing but love. Um, I know they're always there for me. You know, after a game, I can always go to them, and, you know, they're going to be my rock. You know, you guys are a generation, and we're all have been a part of COVID-19. You know, the shutdown of the baseball season, we only had 60 games. I know a lot of high school seasons were, were, were shut down. What happened to you guys down at Thousand Oaks when, when COVID hit? Yeah, so obviously it was a big shut shut, shut down. Uh, gyms were closed and everything. So uh, I I'm in. We tried to keep in contact with the team as much as we could. Obviously we knew there was a chance we were going to play, so we were trying to keep it rolling. Uh, we were off to a good start last year, eight and zero. So you know we tried to keep that same energy, and it, it was hard at some points, but uh, just to remain in contact and you know grab a few guys and sneak on a field when you could to get work um, was important. Obviously it transitioned to this season. So. I think you guys were like 29 and one. Yeah. Was that a full season for you guys? Yeah. Usually you'll play 30 games in a season and then five or six playoff games. So that was including playoffs. So, I mean, we only got snubbed six games, which is, you know, remarkable how we could get that done. Yeah. I was, you know, I, I felt so bad for the seniors, right, who didn't get to have their full senior year. And then were you ever worried about this hurting your draft? I mean, obviously your number – you know, you're number 25 in the first round. You're, you're fine. But were you ever worried that the shutdown could affect your draft status? I mean, at one point you you are a little nervous, but I think, you know, there's only so much you can think about it. There's only so much you can be concerned. Um, I had a great thing at Arkansas, so I was excited to go there. But, you know, obviously it worked out here. So. And when I think about, you know, you, you're, you're drafted by Billy Bean. I mean, you know all about – sure, you've seen Moneyball. And 20 you, times, yeah. And you think about David Force, who's been around here for, for all this time. What's it like to be drafted by the A's? And also you see the great history of this franchise. Yeah, you know, the history is amazing. Especially, I mean, I watched Moneyball maybe two days after I got drafted. Uh, just to hear those names and then come out here and meet them in person, it's wild. Um, I think one of the head scouts – the scene where he gets, they fire the head scout and then they hire the main one. Uh, you know, I talked to him when I was here and I just put one and two together. And I was like, can't believe that, you know, that was you in that situation. <laughs> yeah, there's a, quite a few of these guys that were like, that was you in the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, when, when when they talk to you, what what exactly did they say about, you know, shortstop? Did they see you being able to play different positions as you get older? I mean, obviously you got good size to you. Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, it's honestly up to them wherever they want to move me. Um they told me they, they think I got a chance to stay at short, so they're going to give me the opportunity, and then, you know, if they need to move me over, that's their call. Um, whatever's fine with me. You know, Coco Crisp was a longtime outfielder for us and who also lived in Los Angeles. And he said the thing that he loved, not only about the history and everything about the franchise, was that it was so close for his family. You know, you're just a quick southwest flight away. Have you talked about that with your family and how great that we know when you get here to the big leagues, you're going to be so close to home? Yeah, I think all levels have uh, benefits. You know, Arizona, I got a bunch of buddies at ASU that I played high school ball with, so I'll be close there. And then, 
you know, the Vegas level, I got family in St. George, Utah, so that's an hour drive. And then, you know, hopefully I make it up here. My family can make this trip uh, fairly easily. I mean, I got friends at Berkeley, friends at Stanford. So, I mean, I'm going to be close to a lot of people. So I think that support group is going to be very strong. Well, I got to tell you, when you wear that uniform, it's one of the most distinct uniforms in the game. You know when you're watching the Oakland Athletics, and by the way, you look great in white. I appreciate that. Hey, go be with your family. Thank you for coming on, and hopefully you and I are doing this for years to come. I hope so, too. Congre oh, by the way, the whole Max Muncy thing blew us away. <laughs> you have the same birthday as Max. We're like, Max Muncy? And we saw that and went, wow. I mean, it Obviously, being in Southern California, you know a lot about Max Monsi. Yeah, I'm surprised it took you that long to mention that. I mean, usually that's the first thing that comes up. Um, it's definitely wild. There's a lot of, you know, I had a person after the draft come up to me, and they're like, did you know you had the same birthday? I was like, dude, I've been hearing this for, you know, years now. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I get texts all the time. Well, uh, it's well, great, though. Yeah, go enjoy it with your family. You earn this day with them. And thank you so much. And we'll be talking a lot throughout the years. Thank you, guys. That's your first-round draft pick for the Oakland Athletics. And, uh, yeah, it's a very special day for the family and very special day for him and a good-sized kid out of high school. And it's one of those where you, you, you got a lot of people who, um, you know, there's so many people that get these guys to this level that it's that, – that it's, uh, it's, it's so good. Well, I mean, he learned from the greatest defensive shortstop in my lifetime, Stop Pittsburgh it. Pirates Nobody history. Cares. Nobody that was his cares. head coach. Nobody cares. His son's actually a really good player at Grand Canyon University, too. Looks like we're going to get Scott Boris again. Was yeah, it? looks like uh, Dave, Dave's in the middle of a, a very important meeting. Well, obviously, yeah. that's way more important, so. Well, he's the greatest agent in the history of professional sports. It's great to have him back on the program. As uh, last time, Logan Davidson was drafted number one. And Scott Boris with us here on A's Cast Live. It's great to have you back on the field. We're just back here for the second time since COVID. Oh, man, it's been, you're right, smell the grass and feel it and hear the crack of the bat. It's yeah. really neat, really well, neat. It was Logan Davidson last time you were here with us. Now tell us about Max. Obviously, he looks like he's a very special player. Well, I, can, I think you can see after you've talked to him on the phone that this is, uh, the A's have a philosophy and his psychology and their philosophy fit. They really fit as to the type of players they develop and how they develop. And obviously, they have a skill set that allows them to be, uh, you know, considered at one of the best players in the nations physically. But but Max is really, really ahead of the game, and he's uh, not at all your normal high school senior at all. No, he's not. And he, he's a good size, and you can see that, you know, in a couple of years what he could – fill out to be and the A's always love taking shortstops I always say it's kind of like tight ends in football there's a lot of different things you can do with them you know same thing with shortstops whether you move them to third they can play second they can end up at first base center field I mean you're really taking one of the best athletes in the country yeah you know it's, it's the kind of thing this is a player that you can probably say that it's very very likely he's going to end up at shortstop because of his footwork and you know his uh, preciseness with his hands um, all those things that I've seen over the years that turn into really good shortstops Max has. You know, and I, I feel so bad for so many of the kids, and I had to ask him because he's in a, a group of kids that hopefully will never see something like this where they had COVID shut down. I feel bad for so many seniors in high school, so many seniors in college, and, and guys who were juniors in college and their draft status and how it just changed just – for you, and this is the business that you've been in for a long, long time, I mean, as a player back in the day and uh, as the best agent we've ever seen, just 
Just how, how horrific was this time? You know, um, I actually, my first thing was for the players we work with, I wanted to know as much as I could about the virus. And I have a medical training because I studied pharmacology. So I flew to Europe and, uh, and they were ahead of the scale. And we had meetings with, you know, immunologists and pharmacologists and people to get me inf- as much information as I could gain to determine uh, what was the best thing to transfer to our players. And then when we got back, we had Zoom calls with, you know, uh, the Mayo Clinic with many foremost doctors who were dealing with this because we, we had to make a decision as to how we're going to, you know, recommend to the union that represents them what they wanted to do. And after they learned that, I think that they felt that this was something we could put together protocols to allow us to have a season in 2020. Uh, and then you had the business side of it where we had to determine how they were going to be paid and the service time and all the other issues that had to be resolved. So it, it was uh, it was literally, uh, you know, seven, eight months locked away and and, and just trying to assist your, your players uh, and not being around the game. And they're at home. Uh, so concerned about their well-being because they couldn't work out. They couldn't go to gyms. They, uh, the, you know, the disruption of what they did psychologically was so different than anything they'd ever experienced in their lives. Because when you're a ball player, really since you're seven or eight years old, you know you're playing ball literally all the time and you're preparing to play and what to do. And here you're worried about families. You're worried about your country. You're worried about you know, uh, the unknowns that were in this process. It, it was a very difficult time for a lot of players. And and the recovery from it has been difficult because we've seen a lot of injuries. We've seen a lot of, you know, uh, the demands on the arms and and uh, the interruption of play for the minor leaguers where, where, you know, they're not, the draft picks couldn't didn't play at all of, of 2020 and then coming and having to play now. And so, uh, we're starting to see the end of this, where we can get back to a norm, but still, there's a there, there's still a part of this season that has real concern for me medically and physically. Yeah, I know. We we talked a lot with David Force and Billy Bean and Dave Cavill about, you know, the real world about keeping guys healthy and keeping guys in the bubble and being safe because that was was the main concern. Uh, let's leave with this because we know you're a big part of negotiations. How do you feel about when this CBA is up in December? Where we are with baseball, where we are at the players' union, are are you fearful or are you hopeful? I'm hopeful in the sense that we've got an amazing sport who's generating record revenues. So if you've got the ingredients to make the biggest pizza you ever made, uh, we just have to have the tools of how to slice it up and serve it. And so that part, I think, is one where... Um, there's a lot of evidence that was not there from the player side in the last two CBAs, where now we clearly understand that the revenues have exceeded the compensation growth, and I think we have to make adjustments to do that. Uh, we've got a huge chasm in this game between large market and small market, where I'm hoping that performance of teams is a gradient for what they receive in addition to just their markets, so that teams that you know, like the A's or, you know, certainly like the Brewers and teams like that that are consistently winning and doing well, they get rewarded for it. So 
they don't pay players who don't play well. I don't think they should pay teams who don't play well. And if they've got a bad administration and they have people who are involved who aren't doing well in the sport, well, maybe we should put a provisions in that they don't get the full reward of revenue sharing and all the concepts that have allowed for uh, agreements to be met in the past because things were said, things were done. We're going to reinvest them in players. We're going to make these teams better. There's going to be parity. And you know what? A lot of those things have not come true. And so we've given those set of rules a trial, and I think there has to be a, a reflection of great order to determine that the players get the quid pro quo that they used to receive and also that the teams that are run well get rewarded for uh, providing a league and the fans in that league a good product. Well, if you ever want to take on a radio and TV guy, I'd love to have you be my guy. (laughs) (laughs) It's always an honor to have you on the program. That's why I love when we draft your guys. We know you're going to be stopping by the stadium. Well, good. Nice to be here, Tony. You're a legend. Thank you so much. Take care, buddy. The great Scott Boris right here on A's Cast Live. And uh, he's going to be a Baseball Hall of Famer, I think, no question about it. No question about it. Uh, so where are we with uh, Dave Cavill? No news yet, but I did let them know that we could do it in A's total access. I'm, I, hey, I'm willing to make adjustments. You, I mean, you're a man of uh, how can I? You're a man of adjustments. Baseball is a game of adjustments. This this radio A's cast is a program of adjustments. Hey, if they're going to li- live outside on me, I have to be able to be able to go the other way. If they're going to come in on me, I got to get my hands in. I got to be able to turn on it. If you don't make adjustments, they will dominate you. He had to go. I wish I, I wanted to get into Chapman. It's just we didn't, we got the, we just didn't have the time. It's a busy day for him. I mean, totally understand. I want to know, is Shohei Otani here? I mean, I haven't. Did he make the trip? Did, did, did he get on the, did they go the right direction on BART? Well, that, I, see, see, that's why this show is so unique, and there's no show like that, to where all of a sudden you're going to get the number one pick. Oh, wow. You want some uh, interesting news? Is it baseball related? What happened? No. Raiders real, related. Oh. What happened? Derek Carr traded? Mark Bedane, the president of the Raiders, has resigned. Oh, Wow. He's been there a long time. Wow, interesting. And that's and, and reason why I'd even bring that up, well, we have Raider fans that are listening. Uh, that, that's where you look at, I mean, he sold his house. He bought a house in Vegas. Um, that's where Dave Cavill, Dave Cavill has gotten further in this city than any other sports executive has. You know, and I think of the recent ones. I think Mark Bedane. I think Rick Welts. I mean, look how far Dave Cavill has gotten this thing. And if you're just tuning in, we were supposed to have Dave Cavill. But if we can't have Dave Cavill having Scott Boris on, he is by far the greatest sports agent of all time. There's no, there's no one in his league. No, I agree with that. If I was a baseball player, I want him representing me. I'm glad you asked him the question about the uh, what's happening at the, end of, uh, at the end of November, beginning of December. I find that more important because he's not get, he's we we've already asked him about Matt Chapman, right? He's not gonna he's not gonna give you anything. Well, that was the greatest answer I've ever heard in my life. Remember, he wanted the whole market about expanding into China and Japan. Japan yeah, 
So, no, I mean, I think it's more important, and we're going to need to get that answer because we're going to have to need to talk about that further, about that's the biggest question going. How's this thing going to work out between the players and the owners? I mean, Buster Olney came on this program from ESPN and talked about he's never seen the disparity this far apart from each other than what he has seen now. And you think how, how long has Buster been? I mean, Buster's covered how many different teams? He's been in baseball how long? And now been a national writer and a TV personality and uh, the great podcast Baseball Tonight. He's been around for a long time. He's never seen it so bad between the owners and the players. And got to tell you, that scares me. But Boris's answer right there just made me feel good. I asked him. You fearful or hopeful? He said hopeful. And you know what? He said, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I've been saying what, Cody? I have been saying there's so much money out there and so many of the talented players have gotten paid. Why would any of these guys who have signed extensions want to interrupt the season and not get paid again? Think about it. Name me a great player who's not, like, super, super young. But even Fernando Tatis just got 300 million. All the big-name guys that are supposed to get paid are getting paid. I mean, you're right. There's a few. But they're guys that are they're kind of bursting out the scene this year. But Juan Soto's going to get paid. No, no, well, no, he's not. I'm not I, was, I was thinking of him. But I'm, I mean, he's like the first guy I thought of. I mean, yeah, yeah, him, Vlad, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Vlad and Bo Otani. These guys are all going to get paid, and it's going to come very soon. Carlos Correa. But Seeger, yeah. But they're all going to get paid. Story. Well, you know when they're not getting paid is when there's no collective bargaining agreement and they're sitting home and they're 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 waiting for spring training. And uh, oh, by the way, there's no baseball come opening day because the owners and the players are fighting. Those guys now are not getting paid. Yeah, exactly. And they're not getting closer to free agency. So, as he said, it's a super huge pie. Hopefully, just hopefully, cooler heads will prevail. And and we will talk a lot about this once the baseball season ends because it's going to be the story of stories. Because we have had, we've not had labor strife since the World Series was canceled. And we all need to remember. It's like we need to all go back in time and remember how horrific that was. What had to happen to bring baseball out of that? It took Cal Ripken's streak. It took the home run race with Bonds and Sosa. I mean, with uh, McGuire and Sosa. Then came Bonds. We we need to remember Tony Clark, who I once played on an all-star team with. Tony Clark, who's the head of the Players Union, and Rob Manfred and his guys. They need to understand and remember what it was like. You almost killed the Golden Goose. Hockey, when was the hockey strike? That was, uh, so, that, was that was the 0304 season. And they have just finally, just kind of finally, got their television right again, right? Sorry, 0405. Right? Yeah, because because like the last so the last time that the uh, hockey was on ESPN was a lockout right for the lockout season. So now th- they're back on ESPN. So think about that, folks. 2004, 2005. And hockey is just fully recovering from 
a, a season that was completely lost. You know what the reality is? Nobody wins when you stop playing games. Nobody wins. It's just, it's bad for the sport. And I've been following ratings in the entertainment business. And we've been talking about this now for a while. Because people think we're just going to bring up, no, it's just, no. I've been following football. This is the first Super Bowl that had been down since, this was the lowest rated Super Bowl since what, 2004? And you had Tom Brady in it? Looks like Cavill's going to be calling us in a few minutes. What time are we out? Uh, we, we can keep him for about 10 minutes. That'll be enough time. Or text Vinny to start the Ace <laughs> Total Access and keep this rolling. I'm ready to rock. But, yeah, I mean, folks, the Oscars is down. The Golden Globes have been down. I mean, there's so many things in the entertainment business that have been down. There's so much out there, and there's so many different things for people to watch on devices. you got to be smart with your future. And with so many people dropping cable and people watching Hulu and Netflix and all these different, and what they're doing with YouTube, and this is not a time to make your fan base, and I mean for all of baseball, this is not a time to make them angry. Because there truly is now too many different things out there for people to say, ah, I'm not going to watch that anymore. Those guys are just, you know, spoiled millionaires against spoiled billionaires. You don't want to get to that. You know why? As Scott said, how baseball has grown to this big cash cow. You know Why? Because they haven't had the labor strife. When I was growing up, if you're old enough, there was labor strife constantly. And it was awful. It was absolutely awful. There's enough to go around for everybody for years and years to come. As we're going to have A's baseball coming your way, it's hard to believe Shohei Otani is the number one story in all of baseball right now. I mean, he hit a home run. Was it yesterday or the day before? That ball was at his shoelaces. It was yesterday. And he ripped it out to right center. The power is just incredible. The speed. And it, do we have Dave? I'm here, guys. How we doing? Good, Dave. How are you? I'm staying busy. we got a lot going on. We've got a lot of conversations and negotiations and discussions and just, you know, working every hour here to try to get this deal done. Isn't that the best thing is when people are not pulling away from the table, but they're coming to the table to get try and get things done? Well, we're doing everything we can to try to get to some type of resolution in a positive way. You know, the sides are still apart, but um, I remain optimistic that we can get to something that makes sense. And, and hopefully that, that, that the council can vote either on our proposal that we made quite a while ago with, with the many concessions that we've been willing to make. So. Is there? I know they they're going to be voting on their proposal. Is there any way they vote on the A's pr- pr- proposal tomorrow? That's really what I'm advocating for. You know, our proposal with some of the modifications that we've been willing to do around things like the non-relocation. You know, I think that is really the path forward. Um, we're hopeful that the council will entertain that, but we don't know yet, and so we're still continuing to work. You know, to the deadline. Uh, to really convince them that that's the best course of action. 
You know, Dave, I think about the more I learn about this project, how big and massive this project is and how complicated it is. You know, for, for a lot of people, they just go, I just want a stadium for my for my baseball team. But this proposal, whether you're talking about the city's proposal or your proposal, it's easy to say this thing is really complicated. Well, it is, but I think the net net of all of it is that this is an incredible opportunity for Oakland to redefine the waterfront, to ensure that the A's are here for many generations to come, and to take this incredible amount of private capital to really um, you know, turbocharge the economy and, and the general fund and create the community benefits. And so we just are hopeful that the council sees the forest through the trees, uh, doesn't get too much into the weeds on some of the things. That it can't solve all of Oakland's problems, this project, uh, but it can make an incredible foundational investment and impact uh, for the entire community. So this is going to be at 9 a.m. tomorrow. Wait, do you have any idea when they may vote? Well, I think at 9 a.m. there's going to be a couple hours of public comment. There's a lot of people who want to weigh in on this. Um, you know, Hopefully most of them are positive, but some will obviously be critical as well. So that'll be the first piece of the meeting. Then I think there'll be a moment for the council members to ask questions, probably of myself, from the dais, maybe make amendments to um, our proposal and hopefully gets us to a place where, where it all can make sense. So I think that's the general course of action. I think the only thing we're a little worried about is that they just vote on what they put forward on Friday. You know, that, that term sheet doesn't really have much details or incorporate most of our thinking. So that, that it would not be a great path forward. And then that's where you start to really wonder in every negotiation, you know, you, you, you know, everybody wants to get their beak wet. Everybody wants to feel like, like, like they've won. You know you got to give up something, but you want to feel, and both sides want to feel like they, that they've won. But if they don't vote on, on what you have proposed and they're only voting on what they propose, how far apart do you think you really are? Well, that's the concern. You know, it's like we've spent 18 months negotiating this term sheet. It's a non-binding term sheet. If we can't get to some sort of alignment on some of these things after all this hard work, after all the pressure of the media and the concern about the timeline and the league, you know, that that's really concerning. I think this is a really critical moment where hopefully everyone can really take a deep breath, be thoughtful about what this means. You know, we've made a lot of concessions, so we're, we're doing everything we can. Um, but, you know, we really need an up-down vote to understand if they share the vision for the waterfront that we have. You know, I, I know I work for the A's, so some people are going to criticize me for this, but I, I'm fine. I've been around this game a long time. You know, I covered the Warriors. I worked for the Raiders. Rick Welts, Mark Bedane. By the way, Mark Bedane just resigned as the president of the Raiders. It just came oh, out. Oh, I didn't know that. I mean, oh, it, I had it, no idea. it literally yeah. just came out. Neither one of those guys – took the heat that you've taken. And neither one of those guys put the amount of hours, had gotten their franchises even close to getting anything built in Oakland. When you think about that, going, wait a minute, those guys didn't take it, and you've put in far more hours, far more time. You've cared so much more. What, what, what do you say to when you've had a lot of people right now kind of kind of coming down your road lately? Well, you know, all we can do is put out a positive vision for the waterfront stadium and what it can mean not only for the A's and more world series, but also what it means for our community and, you know, jobs and 
environmental justice and all the positives that comes with the parks and the incredible addition to the waterfront. So, you know, that's, that's the really exciting part to articulate that vision and to do everything we can to make it a reality. You know, we've invested over $200 million, spent five years on trying to get this downtown ballpark. We're kind of at that consequential moment. And, you know, we're just crossing our fingers and fighting to the end to get a yes vote. You know, obviously some people have different opinions, but do you get the consensus that most of the people understand how great this will be for not only the city, but also the county? I, I think more and more people do understand that. And I think if you asked an average citizen in Alameda County or Oakland, they would realize that too. And I'm hopeful that that point of view and not special interest will carry the day. That people will realize that broadly having a professional sports team, the camaraderie, the quality of life, you know, all the benefits that come with that, the pride, civic pride, that's important. And beyond even that, we have all the, you know, basically restoration of the waterfront that comes with our project and all the infrastructure investments uh, and housing, including affordable housing. We have so many aspects that, that make this a winner. Um, we just have to get it across the, the finish line here. And, and also at some point, I, I, can't remember is it september at some point the county will have to weigh in on this is that correct yeah the the county in september and then um you know after that in you know probably october uh, we could get a final definitive vote of the city council on the environmental report and the development agreement which would basically just be making what they vote on hopefully tomorrow binding and so you know that's kind of the course of action you know it's kind of like in some ways if we get a yes tomorrow, we go into extra innings, and then you know we can win an extra inning come October with that with that final vote. Well, you put a lot of effort, Dave, and I think A's fans should really thank you for that because, like I said, you you alone have put in more effort than ever saw by the Warriors or the Raiders to stay in Oakland and to stay, and we don't talk enough about, to stay in Alameda County. So uh, you, you've put in a lot, and you got a, you got you got a lot more to go. But uh, keep trying for us, Dave. That's all we can ask. Awesome. Thank you, my friend. And hopefully we get a win tonight. Let's do it. Vito Tani. Thank you, Dave. Take care. Dave Cavill. Hey, you know, and I know some people would be I, – I, I say it all the time. I've lived this before with the Raiders. I've seen how this thing goes, and I don't want to see it it go that way again. You know? They're close. Hopefully they really are close. Hopefully everybody in the – you know, in negotiations, you're going to take this thing down to the wire – that that's 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 how business goes. Everybody's going to be fighting to get what's best for them, what's best for their interest. But hopefully, in the end, everybody realizes what's best for all. You're not going to get everything you want. That's why you have these term sheets. That's why you have these meetings. That's why you have these votes. But you you don't want to be the city that loses three professional sports teams. I mean, come on. That is a bad look. And as Dave said, something in there I thought was interesting. You can't solve all the city's problems with a ballpark. But you can help. You can help with jobs. You can help with the economy. Too many times now we're not hearing our politicians talk about growth and economy and jobs and getting back, you know, getting every city's and county's economy going again. I know there's a lot of issues, but 
you still got to do business. And hopefully for the Oakland Athletics, they stay the Oakland Athletics for the rest of our lives. Coming up next, we have the newest David Force show until we play A's Total Access with you. So that's David Force with Roxy Bernstein. Oh, there's a lot of shots fired at you by David Force. Really? Uh, there was like one. All right, well. <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked. It was pretty funny. <laughs> he probably like, oh, got rid of Townsend at least for one week. This is uh, essentially what it was. All right, so David Force up next, and I'll be back at 540 for a little A's total access where you're going to hear. Are we going to get Scott Boris? Uh, I, I, I didn't know who you wanted, so I sent Kotze, and I figured Cavill. We can say Boris for tomorrow. Oh, I love it. I mean, come on. Is there anybody better than Scott Boris in our game? Do you, do you realize how much money he's made and how much money he's made for the players? It's unbelievable. David Forrest next. We'll talk to you in about 10. Thank you for listening to A's Cast Live from Ricky Henderson Field. A's fans, join us for the biggest music festival in the fall. It's the inaugural Battle Axe and Tracks Music Festival held October 2nd and 3rd in Carson City, Nevada. Grammy Award nominees Kenny Wayne Shepard, Larkin Poe, Samantha Fish, and North Mississippi All-Stars are just four of the 15 acts. Festival activities also include axe throwing and freedom rail bike tours. Tickets on sale now with VIP two-day and single-day tickets available. Check out the full schedule at battleaxeandtracks.com. That's battleaxeandtracks.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.